I've scraped dope from the carpets and cleaned out dirty used syringes to try to get that high. If God can save me by me turning my life and will over to him, he can save you. There is no such thing as hopeless. I can go from a hopeless dope fiend into a dopeless hope fiend, just like you. We've got this. We do recover. What's up, everybody? Today, we got our special guest. But first, this is Crucifying Addiction with your host, Bailey, and your other host, Trent. Let's Trent. go. Let's go. All right, guys. But yeah, we have our special guest. Why don't you introduce yourself, man? Hello, my name is Zachary. Um, I am a recovered addict. All right. Awesome. What's your base card, baseball card style? You know, back of it, weight, height, you know. <laughs> so I'm 32 years old, chronic addictions in multiple different uses of things. I'm from a small town called Junction, Texas. Currently reside here in San Angelo, which is my my new home, Angeltown, Texas. Cannot beat what the Holy Spirit's doing here in this town. Dang, awesome. Man. Awesome. Let's not uh, forget, we have a special guest audience. We have Colin. Colin. We just have Colin sitting <laughs> over here in the corner. You want to say hi? Hi. <clears throat> Hi. Yeah, we can hear you. We can hear you. Uh, the wives are out with ladies' night eating at bonsai. Nope. Yeah. Don't we all know each other? I don't know, Zach. Actually, it's my first. Oh, yeah, we just I met, met him today. Yeah. yeah. You were telling me a little bit about how your new position. I work as the manager at the Bargain Cave. It's a local shop that's a resale place, but one of the the perks of working there, not only being the manager there, but just being able to work there is that we are encouraged by the owners to pray in the morning before we start our day for the entire workforce to get together and to pray together, not for ourselves, but allowing God to place someone in our path that we're able to minister to. See, all of us are in recovery that work there as well. So each one of us have been saved by, you know, by God's grace to come to that purpose. And, um... At the end of the day, when we finished up, before we leave, we circle up again and we pray. And it's just a it's a wonderful place to work at. It's a great environment. You know, you get mad. Anyone's going to get upset at, at your workplace. It's going to happen. But we're encouraged to go to each other when those things happen, when we get aggravated. And to pray together. You know, whatever situation it is, God has a way of working things out if you seek him. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we get to do that. So that's where I'm at today. I'm highly blessed at this job. Man, that is really... That sounds really good. Bro, that's awesome. Yeah. So how'd you get there? Start as far back as you want to go. Yes, sir. Okay. So um, at a very young age, um, one of my first memories was the arrest of my mother and father, right? Um, I won't go into details about it um, because it's not my story to tell, but my end of things was um, bouncing around and having a lot of traumatic things happen in short order and then ending up in Junction, Texas. My Aunt Z and my Uncle Mark, they took me in and... Uh, for about six or seven years, I stayed there with them and fought with my own inner turmoil, right? I had people that would reach out and take me to church, and I had, you know, church camp, things like that, and it just, I was rebellious, you know, I had a lot of pain, a lot of trauma that I didn't know how to cope with. Um, I turned to drugs and alcohol at about the age of 11, 10, 11, I started trying out things like alcohol, and um, I liked it a lot, but my friends, they liked it too, but they were just trying it. Me, I liked it. I thought about it all day, and I couldn't understand why. I got into heavy drug use about the age of 11, and uh, this was about the time my mom got out of um, incarceration, and when she came home, I immediately moved in with her, and I started using the guilt thing, you know? You've been gone this whole time. And anytime she would try to set rules with me, I would use that guilt against her, you know, um, and manipulate. That's because 
because all addicts and alcoholics, it's one thing we're masters at, is manipulation. And so uh, during that time, from like the age of 11 to 13, I started using uh, methamphetamines. I got in trouble with the law, broke into a high school, got in trouble for that, and then broke into a store. Not only did I break into the store, let me tell you all about that. I, I broke into the high school with a guy, went to juvie, got probation, got out, and decided to go with his brother to break into their oldest brother's store. Right. I wasn't the most intelligent child. Right. <laughs> so, um, at this, at this point, you know, I've given up on, on God and my life. I didn't think that I needed God. You know, what I needed was money. What I needed was possessions. What I needed was to be cool because I was a poor child. I was a poor kid and wanted things. Right. And so, um, about the age of 15, after going in and to boot camp for months and months and, and juvenile over and over again, I went on the run. I moved to Austin. And uh, moved away from my mom and my stepfather, and I had some more very traumatic things happen to me and led me deeper into my addiction. At the age of 17, my sister, my closest sibling, she passed away, and I didn't know how to cope with that. Once again, turned to drugs and alcohol, drowning out everything with something that I thought would help cope with that moment, right? And it just sent me into a further spiral. I got incarcerated. It was in and out of uh, jails and institutions. In my early 20s, my father was released um, with a year left to live. This is crazy. I had been in San Angelo, went to CRTC, and moved out of CRTC, graduated as you would, and moved into a sober living house here in San Angelo. Well, I met a girl, and of course, I move out, and my dad, he's free, and I'm talking to him about coming to visit him and, and taking care of him for this last year of his life, you know, because I've never known him my entire life here, you know, 17, almost 17 years later, here he is. So that's my, I guess, goal. I just air quoted. Y'all can't see that, but I air quoted. <laughs> uh, so I meet a girl, right? And this is where another one of my addictions, which was codependency, comes into play. I met this girl. I move out of sober living with her cousin that I'm roommated with. The day we move out, y'all's last guest moved in to that room, right? So when Chris moved in, I had just moved out of that room. And where Chris continued on in his sobriety, seeking to help the next addict and alcoholic, I, on the other hand, went back out and I wow. started using um, my life spiraled. I got introduced to a lot of very dangerous people. I continued to live in that lifestyle until it led um, right after my father's death to me trying to kill myself. And all I remember was laying in a storm drain before I lost consciousness and then waking up to a bright light and everything burned. Everything. And this, this man, um, his name was Jerry. I won't say his last name, but he was holding me. I just remember him saying that God wasn't done with me. At the time, I thought his words nonsense because God was nothing to me at that time. But in reality, even in that moment, God had been seeking me and I was turning my back on him. I left and I went to different states and I just tried to escape. And more and more I ran, the more and more that my life would spiral out of control into my use of methamphetamines and alcohol. And to the point that um, I had a child and uh, I sobered up. And when I say sobered up, right, there's a difference between getting clean and, and white knuckling. What I did was white knuckling. I manipulated. I did not work the 12 steps that were set before me to connect me with a higher power. I manipulated the sponsor I had into believing that I had worked these steps. And on the outside, I'm just clenching my hands to stay clean because this is what CPS and what the world is expecting of me. I air quoted again, y'all. And um, what, what happened was eventually... I lost custody of my child all the way, and my cousins adopted her. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. And um, right after they adopted her, 
I started doing what everyone had been expecting and waiting for, except for me, you know, I started using and found out that my girlfriend at the time was pregnant. I won't go deep into it, but during this, I, I broke up with her. Ah, she was about three weeks pregnant and I lost all sensibility in my mind during a flight of her moving out. And I put my hands on her. I hurt her very badly, like no man should. And, um, I ended up sitting there inside my house with the door lock waiting for the police using the rest of the drugs that I had. And they came and arrested me. I didn't deny it one bit. Scratches all on me. I said I did it to myself. Um, I didn't want her in any kind of trouble because I felt like scum because I was. I was living proof that scum existed. And um, I got out. And instead of being like, okay, it's time to get your life straight, like a great addict that I was, I went seeking the high again, right? I went seeking another relationship. I just was completely insane. And I went into this new uh, drug addiction heavily, really quickly, and it went even faster. You'll learn um, talking to alcoholics and addicts that the quicker the relapse, quicker it spins out of control. And every time it gets progressively worse. For me, this progressively worse meant that I nearly died. And um, during this time, I got another charge. This guy had uh, set me up and I got caught with him and he lifted his hands and said, nah, I don't want no any, any part of this. And I was so shocked. I was shook. No, nah, not my friend, you know, and I couldn't believe that he was doing it. But I, um, I ate a copious amount of drugs. I ate two grams of methamphetamines. I ate uh, two hits of acid um, and ate two grams of um, marijuana. I tried to eat the last hit of acid and the, 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 the mushrooms, but I couldn't because the marijuana was stuck in my throat and I tried to hand them to him. At this point, he raises his hands and says, nah, I don't want any part of this. And I see his phone recording and I'm shook. Cops grabbed me. They, um, the police officers were not gentle. <laughs> they thought I had a lot more than I did, um, because of the people I was around. And so they, um, proceeded to very gently remind me who was the boss. And, um, I got incarcerated for that, and then once more God's grace comes in to to try to shake me awake, and um, instead of getting some 30-year-long sentence, I was blessed with four years, and I'd already done a little bit of time on it. So I went into prison, and I got sent to what they call a gladiator camp, and um, I went in there angry at the world and at myself, and so I earned a name really quickly. They called me Slaughter in the penitentiary and all I did was punch. I thought I could beat the anger out of myself or someone else could. And so I continuously fought. I got so close to getting an organized crime charge while I was in there, which is 25 to life. And, um, once more, grace of God, but let me back up. When I went in, I had completely and absolutely eradicated any thought of Jesus being my savior. I became a pagan and when I was in prison, I taught the Norse Asatru faith, right? I would go into church on Sundays and pull Christians away to tell them how wrong their beliefs were and to convince them to come back to the truth faith, to the old, air quotes again, gods. And I was so delusional that I believed these things, you know, and I let the devil into my life this way. And I continued to do this while I was in prison continuously. And once I was released, you know, my mom, they had, I had like six months of parole left and my mom 
she had never given up, right? And uh, she had continuously prayed and tried to send me psalms and stuff like that. And I just wanted, wanted to hear it. I got in a relationship and got engaged to an unscrupulous woman once I was released. Um, I started using again, drinking again. And I moved to another state once more. Here I go with the codependency, drug addiction, and the running from my issues and go to another state. And um, one night, I just feel everything in me say that if I don't go home, I'm going to die. I'd even told my mom, I had this overwhelming sense that if I stay there, then I'm going to die and I won't come back. And um, big old boom happens and I run. I feel it. And I come back and continue my drug use. I continue drinking. I continue seeking out these unhealthy relationships of the flesh. And um, one night, hair braided up, n- nicest clothes I got, all the jewelry I got on. Car won't start. A little blazer my brother gave me won't start. It's pouring down rain, thunder, lightning, the works. And um, I'm sitting there. I'm already aggravated. I'm really mad. And uh, while I'm sitting there, I get out and I look up at the sky. And as, as loud as I can, I just, I'm so mad. I just scream up at the sky, just stop. And it does. The lightning, the wind, the thunder, everything stops. For like 30 seconds. And the only thing I can hear is my Sunday school teacher from my childhood saying that verse in the Bible in Matthew where he says, why are you afraid, O ye of little faith? (laughs) And I hit my knees. I ran inside and I told my mom. And first thing she said, because, you know, I'm obviously high, is don't ever tell anyone else that story. (laughs) (laughs) There you are. (laughs) And she goes, I tell her, Mom, I've been using again. I've lost my mind. I can't separate fantasy from reality anymore. I need help. And she tells me, you know, the first thing you need to do. And I reach up and I grab this hammer of this false deity I have wrapped around my neck and I just squeeze it. I rip it off my neck and I throw it as far as I can. And for the next couple of weeks, we try to get me into rehab. It's the first time I've chosen to go to rehab. And uh, the first place I go is U-Turn for Christ, which is an amazing, I mean, an amazing ministry. But they are very strict. And when I get there, I'm still coming off the methamphetamine. So I'm still very, very crazy. I'm in my psychosis, you know, and Mm -hmm. my schizophrenia level is like 1,000, you know, and they tell me the rules. I'm like, yeah, I can write essays. And yeah, yeah. And they get to a part in the rules that if you continue... You know, one of their things is you will have to dig a five foot by five foot by five foot hole. And this will teach you, right? This is something that's going to ground you to understanding others' rules and following God's commands. But in my mind at that time, I'm so schizophrenic that I believe they just told me to dig a grave. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. (laughs) But they're building structure in these men's lives that have no structure and teaching them how to be of good service to God. But you think they're going to kill you. But I think in my mind, that so I run like I always do. I run. (laughs) With that as a justification in my mind, I run and I go get high one last time. And I nearly lose my mind completely. I had lose all sensibility. No one's home. I'm by myself. So I'm calling my mom and I'm like freaking out. I'm, I've completely lost touch with reality. And uh, they talk me through it. My mom talks me through it by the grace of God. Once more, God showing up and showing out. I just hold a Bible until I fall asleep. I hold it to my chest. I haven't touched one in years and years and years, except for while I was in uh, G5 in prison and had no other choice. And I'm just holding this Bible with your life. So what made you want to hold it? Had to be the Holy Spirit. Ain't nothing I'd done because I hadn't touched one in a lot of years. And I was just, I 
I tried to pray. Then I was like, hey, God, remember um, when I was little, I used to talk to you, man. I'm freaking out right now. I'm really freaking out. I need your help. And it, this foxhole prayer was so, it wasn't from my heart. It was just fear talking that I couldn't hear God whispering over the, you know, his soft, still voice over the the thunder of my fear, my fleshly thunder of fear. Mm-hmm. And um, the next day I make some calls and journey is a um, rehab here in San Angelo. They answer and they talk to me and they tell me, well, can you come Thursday? Mind you, this is a Sunday. Oh, man. Can you come Thursday? And in my mind, I'm like, four days of getting high, man. Yeah. And God blocks me from doing it. Every person I go to is out. Every person I talk to doesn't want to talk to me. What I didn't know is my, my family... Um, come from the street you know a lot of them have been in the game for a lot of years and they had talked to everyone they knew and blocked me in any way i could from getting anything even the people at the store won't even sell me a beer like I, it's so crazy and so for four four days i detox and i go and find a old used um plate that i had um some melted form of drug on and i scrape it this is the lowest mellow i pull flakes out of the carpet I uh, I proverbially drink the um, the bong water, like I'm that dope fiend at this point. I'm all the way in the sauce, and um, God wants more looking out for me. I get there Thursday. I'm one day sober, one day clean. I get there on April seventh of twenty two, and while I'm there, I continuously hear the loud thunder of God's voice. Um, while I'm there, I'm just learning what it is to be a Christian. I get so terrified because I was this uh, a Satru minister, right? <laughs> I believed in the the fallen as my deities. I was so lost and so afraid because one of the first things when I tell someone this is they tell me they're like, "Oh, you're gonna go to hell regardless, right? You 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 did the unforgivable sin," and I'm so scared and I'm just bawling. I come to terms with it and I'm 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 starting to feel the Holy Spirit work in my life and I'm reading the Bible and I just pray one day. I say, "God, okay." If what I've done is so wrong that I can't find access to heaven, okay, just let me use what I have. Let me use my life. Let me use what I've done and save one person. If you do that, then yeah, I'll go to hell. I'll do it, Papa. Whatever. I'd watched the shack the day before, and that's where I adopted <laughs> that Papa thing. You know, that's my every day now. Yeah. <laughs> and I say, Papa. <laughs> and um, one of the counselors there, this man sees me crying, man of God. <laughs> man of God. And he says, uh, go and read that that verse again. And it's Mark 3, 29. It says, Jesus says that whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of eternal sin. But later on, it says those with an unrepentant heart. And I didn't understand what, why I could be forgiven. And it was because I could cry, because I was repentant, because I was turning my life and will over to God, that I was giving it to Jesus Christ and I accepted him as my savior. Right, and I understood right then when he told me. I was like, "Wait, so I do gonna go up if I continue walking in God?" And he's like, "Yes, you do." You know, um, I was I was convinced that I was gonna spend eternity in hell, but I, even then, the Holy Spirit was working on my heart, and I had prayed that prayer so enthusiastically that even if I burn Papa, let me just use my experience to save one person. And this is the day before I met Chris Hopper. Chris Hopper came into that room. You know him. I'm sure y'all know. I'm Chris Hopper. You know, and he says his sober date, 11, 19, 12. And he comes in and uh, he's so loud. Yeah. (laughs) He's so loud. And and I I immediately thought, 
that he was the same guy because now the roommate that I had moved into an apartment with all those years before, his name was Chris. So I meet Chris Hopper and I immediately think that's the same Chris because we share the same sober date at that time was my original sober date. And I'm like, this can't be the same Chris, you know, and I believe it is. And he's talking about his sober home and his sober date. And I'm like, oh, this man's lying. He's lying. Well, eventually, after three weeks of not shaking his hand, he comes up to me and I, I tell him. And he says, the guy you're talking about, he's got cherries tattooed on his stomach. And I'm like, yeah. He pulls up his shirt and he says, I don't have any cherries. Never have had any cherries tattooed on my stomach. And I realized that for three weeks, I've been treating this man who's been reaching out like a piece of dirt. And he forgives me like nothing. A week later, I get kicked out of Journey for something I have no power over. I have no control. I call 27 people. Every one of them do not answer. But that 27th one, one of the, the, the workers up there hands me Chris Hopper's card. And I call and he answers on the second ring. Yeah, yeah, this is Chris Hopper. And I'm nervous. And I tell him what's going on. He says, are you willing to give everything you got into this program to give God every bit of you? I said, yeah, because I was afraid. I didn't have a home. I had nowhere to go. So originally, honestly, I said, yeah, because I needed somewhere to go. And then I moved out to the Hopper house. And I've been there for a year and four months. A year and three months, a year and four months now. That's awesome. And I've got to watch God build continuously in my life. I went from a person that would pray every night, oh, God, I need this. And I got, I can't remember praying for myself <laughs> anymore. Like, I want, I want to help people. I want to be like Chris. I want to be like Brandy. I want to be like them. So I um I got a good sponsor. I got connected with um, Alcoholics Anonymous. I worked through the 12 steps and I continuously work them with sponsees of my own now. I'm able to minister to people that come into our shop. I'm able to pray with people. I'm blessed to have a circle of friends that I can... That there's not a, a person that I hang out with that's like, hey, let's go get drugs, let's go get high. There's not a person in the circle. Those that, that do that, I'm like, hey, brother, let me tell you about Jesus real quick and what he's done in my life. Mm -hmm. right? And immediately I'm the buzzkill they don't want to be around. But that seed's planted. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My hook is set. I'm fishing. But but it, it's amazing where he's taking me. Right? I went mm -hmm. from the dope fiend that no one wanted to talk to to living in my own home, having a driver's license for the first time in seven years, being blessed with a truck freely given to me for no reason other than I continue to walk in faith. I can honestly say that this last year and a half have been the best year and a half of my entire life. Like there hasn't been a time better than this in my life. I've got to go on a walk to Emmaus. <laughs> I've got to meet people in church that have guided me. I've got to get into my Bible every day. But I've also fallen short in a lot of ways. I fell into the thirst of my flesh more than one time and felt conviction for the first time. Felt God come on my heart and just realized that, oh, this isn't just a selfish decision anymore. This decision affects people. And I've got to deal with it emotionally and spiritually. Mm. It's um, been amazing. There was this verse that I had read earlier today. It's in Proverbs 1. This is message translation, so it kind of sums up, or not sums up, but puts verses together. Uh, again, Proverbs 1, verse 8 through 19. It says, nobody robs a bank with everyone watching, yet that's what these people are doing. They are doing themselves in. When you grab all you can get, that's what happens. The more you get, the less you are. That verse was just really just kind of reminding me the spot where you 
Now you talk about that plate that had the leftover yeah. stuck on it yeah. and you're, you're scraping it off. The times in which you would keep going back to that drug, you were keeping yourself from what God had stored had in store for you. You were putting up that wall. I don't know. I was barring the door. I didn't, you know, like it was furthest thing from my mind. Mm-hmm. The moment that door cracked, he kicked that thing down like a SWAT team. He wouldn't let go of me again. Yeah. We've done that. You know, we've all put up that, that door, locked it, you know, put up that wall, stuck in that place of just remorse, you know, feeling sad for ourselves and just filling the hole with something else. Right. You know, I'm just going over everything you said. And I do have a couple of questions. Um, Ask away. You know, we spent some time with Chris Hopper on Saturday mornings, the word Saturday. Uh, You'd love it. I miss it. And, you know, maybe a month or so ago, man, we were sitting at the table and you had this awesome story and it had something to do with your kids. Oh, so. What's the update? So, um, my daughter's mother is an amazing woman, right? And I hurt her. Um, she came to forgive me, right? Not as much, um, for my sake or hers, but for our daughter. And she has got to watch. I have completely opened up all my social media accounts, um, and everything that's happening in my life to her, right? And not hidden anything and shown her what God is doing, not told her, but shown her, right? Um, if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, you you'll see one out of 1,000 posts that are not about God, right? And that one's probably a f- pretty good meme. You know, it's probably going to be It's got to be really good. But, but she's got she's to see that. And um, right now, I haven't got to meet my daughter, right? I haven't. But the way God has worked in our lives, I, like I should have never been able to, in my mind, been forgiven by her. I caused her pain. I could have killed my child, you know? And that didn't come into my drug-addled mind when I did it. She has come to forgive me, and not only that, she defends my name for no other reason. That person that did that is not the person of who I am. It's not the person that God is creating in me. Wow. Right? So she's uh, continuously told our daughter how much her daddy loves her and continuously told her when they go to church. My daughter had asked her, does dad love Jesus? He loves Jesus more than he loves us. You know, and that's amazing. You know, that's God right there. Yeah. Because any other time or any other place... She would not be the mother of my child. I'd be some dude saying, oh, my baby mom. I will refuse. That woman is the mother of my child, and I am blessed to have her as the mother of my child because my daughter has a wonderful mother in her life. Hopefully, I can be just an amazing, just as an amazing father to her whenever I get the opportunity to meet her. And I'm not rushing that. God has full control, his time, his will, not my own. Amen. Bro, that's, that's yeah. really good. Um, You're walking miracle, man. Yeah. God's good. All, All the time. time. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a boop? <laughs> <laughs> but, bro, um, I mean, I, I don't really have any questions. Did you have any more, Trent? Oh, man. Well, we just interviewed Chris Hopper last, and he said that you can freestyle rap. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I can. Yeah. I can. There's no but. Just you seen the butt coming off my mouth, you know? Yeah, I felt you're tr- like you're you trying to say, say that. that but to say it. Actually, I'm going to But I heard the text that Chris Hopper had given me. Right, I didn't hear. I read it in my mind. He's yeah. like, it comes from the heart, not the head. And then I was about to butt with my head, and my heart was like, calm down and listen. <laughs> so uh, let's do this. Yeah. 
Yeah, let's hear it. This is this is our intro beat. We'll play this. You ready? Ciao. Just want you to know it's short. So I'm restarting it. Okay. I'm going to play it again. Thank You're you. going to have to come in hot. Okay. Let's do it. Yo. Many moments I've been running and gunning from 100 to nothing, bluffing, cuffing, and cussing and running from something. But Jesus coming, opened up the door and took everything from me. He said, Son, live up into the promises I instill in you. Show me a better life and I will show you all the truth. I kept on walking and kept trusting in God. And He said, Here, son, hear my servant. Yeah. Running and gunning from nothing, I'm running from something I see them all, they coming to get it, they don't ever see me fall Fall to my face and pray, that's it all day Holy Father, lift me up from the pain, lift me up from the gains I don't need nothing other than to worship your holy name hey, Ain't no change, it's a freestyle on the game I may slip up, but it ain't no gimmick I go back real quick, hold them now If you want to bow down, then bow to the Holy Father Never stop and never slow and let me show ya Is that okay? <laughs> Oh, man, I'm just, the only one with the headset on. You <laughs> should have heard that. Yeah, yeah. That well, was well, so I'm truly lit. grateful to be able to do that, but it's all God. Oh, God. Because Glory I God. would not have done that. I left the ring on my finger and didn't twirl it or nothing. So, <laughs> Bro, that, that was awesome. Oh, man. Dude, thank you so much. And since we did that, bro, do you have any last thoughts for the people that are listening? Absolutely. Someone more who spe- is struggling. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I've scraped dope from the carpets and cleaned out dirty used syringes to try to get that high. If God can save me by me turning my life and will over to him, he can save you. There is no such thing as hopeless. I can go from a hopeless dope fiend into a dopeless hope fiend, just like you. We've got this. We do recover. Amen. Amen. Bro, that was good. Well, like every episode bro we have to end it with prayer yeah but don't forget to like and subscribe and if you really liked it share with somebody twice please twice please share with someone put it on your social media y'all yeah twice twice boop boop (laughs) go ahead zach take us out man all right definitely father uh we just come to you with gratitude in our hearts holy father we ask that whatever person is listening at this moment Whatever part of the message that we're supposed to receive, Holy Father, it falls on their ears, Holy Father, and falls straight to their soul. Holy Father, I just ask that you continue to place a hedge of protection over each one of us, Holy Father, as we travel down this road. Holy Father, we are so grateful that everything that we do glorifies your name, Holy Father, that we no longer self-seek. Holy Father, I ask that today the person, the addict, the alcoholic, whatever it is that they're struggling with, the person that has these sin nature problems, Holy Father, is able to take this one seed planted by this one message, Holy Father, and let it grow to fruition in your name and in your glory, Holy Father. And I ask that the blood of Christ surround them and just fall all over them, Holy Father. I ask that this person be lifted up from a place of no return and lifted up into your glory, Holy Father. I'm grateful for the opportunity today, Holy Father, to share and this wonderful podcast, Holy Father, and just ask that each one of us be able to continue on walking how you would have us. I ask also, Holy Father, for the listener out there that thinks that no one else um, can understand, that we are all perfectly made unique in your way, Holy Father, but we're all the same. We all have the same struggles and that there is a solution. 
Thank you, Holy Father, for this. In the name of Christ we pray. In the name of God we pray. Amen.